Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, it's Tuesday the 18th of July here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. So coming up on today's programme, food prices drop for the first time in three years as the UK braces for crunch inflation data. Rishi Sunak tries to rebuild the Conservatives' corporate credentials with a new business council of top bosses. And flying in the face of convention, Goldman Sachs says that the US yield curve inversion now doesn't mean that a recession is coming, at least not this time. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Food and drink makers here in the UK have cut their prices for the first time in three years. It's a positive sign for Brits bracing for tomorrow's inflation numbers. Bloomberg's James Wilcock has more. UK price rises have exceeded forecasts for four months in a row. That's made tomorrow's consumer price index a crunch point, with economists like Michael Saunders, formerly of the Bank of England, saying any reading above 8.2% would be, quote, deeply alarming. There are some positive signs. Data from Lloyd's shows lower costs being passed on in food prices. But the Bank of England is worried about services inflation, which it considers the clearest indicator of domestically generated price pressures. In London, James Wilcock, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. While staying in the UK, Rishi Sunak has launched a new business council of top chief executives to advise him on driving growth. Bosses from Shell, AstraZeneca, GSK, as well as some of Britain's biggest banks, will meet in Downing Street tonight. The Conservative Party has had a fraught relationship with big business since the Brexit vote in 2016. A new YouGov poll has found that more than half of Britons would vote to rejoin the EU, a first that would reflects growing disillusionment with Brexit. Now, Goldman Sachs has a message for investors. Stop worrying about the deeply inverted US yield curve. The view flies in the face of conventional wisdom with curve inversion an almost impeccable predictor of economic downturns. However, Goldman's chief economist, Jan Hatzier, says that the probability of a US recession is now just 20%, even as investors demand higher compensation for holding shorter maturity bonds over longer term ones. And the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen seems to agree. Growth is slowed, but our labor market continues to be quite strong. Um, I don't expect a recession. I, I think that we're on a good path to bringing inflation down. The most recent inflation data were quite encouraging. Janet Yellen there speaking exclusively with our colleague Amri Hordern on the sidelines of the G20 finance ministers meeting in India. And you can get that full conversation on the Bloomberg Talks podcast, uh, all of our top interviews in one place. You can get it on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen. 
Now, Bloomberg understands that Wall Street banks will face stiffer rules on mortgage capital than their global peers. The change is part of a sweeping overhaul of the industry that's due to be unveiled at the end of this month by US regulators. Our banking regulation reporter, Katanga Johnson, breaks down the changes. What this uh, measure will require is for banks to put more capital aside to help buffer against any potential defaults or losses. And uh, while there are certain standards that globally that banks of all sizes will um, be imposed to the U.S. standards go just a little bit beyond. Katanga Johnson's reporting comes as Morgan Stanley and Bank of America get set to report earnings later today. Finally, Microsoft and Activision are close to finalising their $69 billion deal, but they aren't likely to close it by today's deadline. That's according to sources. The UK's competition appeal tribunal, led by a judge, paused a fight against a proposed ban on the deal, giving Microsoft a second chance. The UK sorry, discussions are expected to take several days or weeks to resolve, though, and the Competition and Markets Authority has officially extended its target date on the probe to the end of August. Right, those are a few of today's top stories. Uh, but uh, catching my eye on the Bloomberg Terminal this morning, Harrods is apparently opening its first private members club in Shanghai. It's going to be called The Residence. It's going to be open at the end of this year. 250 members to start with. Annual fees, can you guess? 150,000 yuan. That translates to about £16,000. So it's going to be a pretty exclusive club by the sounds of it. And it's also, if you are familiar with Shanghai, going to be in Cha House which already has a Harrods tea room and bar, but this is going to be a new club. You, apparently you can collect rare whiskies and go to Gordon Ramsay's restaurant there. Harrods, if you remember, is owned by Qatar's Sovereign Wealth Fund. So courting the Chinese shopper, guess it makes sense given how much of the luxury spend Chinese shoppers make up. And on the other hand, um, how much of a concern, I suppose, is the slowing Chinese economy? Perhaps not much to Harrods if it's targeting uh, you know, such a kind of small extent exclusive number of individuals. But anyway, I thought that was quite um, an interesting little read, a little side note for you this morning. Let's get back, though, to the main dish, shall we? Goldman Sachs' influential chief economist, well, he's reduced the probability of a US recession to 20% in the wake of last week's softer US inflation report. This is Jan Hatches, of course. He says that the US yield curve is actually different this time. Usually you get more yield on bonds as the maturity increases increases. So an inverted yield curve has pretty reliably foretold a recession. And currently that's the position that we're in, of course. Short-term US yields on three-month T-bills are more than 150 basis points above the longer maturity notes, 10-year bonds. So that's close to the biggest inversion that we've seen in about four decades. Join me now to discuss in a bit more detail Bloomberg's chief rates correspondent Garfield Reynolds. Great to have you on the programme this morning. This is quite an unusual pronouncement from someone who's really important in the markets about, you know, the predictions for a US recession. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, the difficulty is that we're all a bit impatient uh, as human beings. And when the yield curve has been inverted for as long as it has, and dude, where's my recession? It's not here. <laughs> then it's logical for people to start to question, is this time going to be the time when the yield curve inversion doesn't end up to forecast a recession? Now, I'm not an economist, so I'm not about to you know, forecast whether there will be one or not. 
but uh, yeah, it's understandable that, and Hatsius is not alone in having you know, brought out this question, will this time be different? Because at the very least, it's been the first time in about 40 years that we've had to wait this long after a curve inversion to work out whether or not that meant there was going to be a recession. Yeah, absolutely, because it's been um, more than a year now. Look, you are an expert, though, on the bond market. So explain the yield curve issue. Why is it so inverted? Well, I I mean, the inversion owes a lot to the rapidity of, uh, you know, we've had the fastest federal reserve rate increases for 40 years, and they've taken their benchmark rate to the highest since about 2008. They might end up going even higher than that. So that has driven up short-term rates. It's driven up all yields, but especially short-term yields, because those are the ones that are most tightly linked to what the Federal Reserve is doing. And at the same time, the anticipation is that the Fed will succeed to some extent in taming inflation and that it will do so by bringing down growth. Now, the idea that inflation will keep coming down and that slower growth is what's going to drive that, that helps explain why you know, 10-year yields, the standard sort of you know, long, medium-term to long yield that economists and investors look at as being the key benchmark, why those yields have stayed much lower than the short-term yields, because they're much more about where the economy is going. You know, the difference that Hatius is looking at, well, that's 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 something that has him and others saying that this time it doesn't mean a recession. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I suppose that's it, isn't it? Why does Hatzius think that this time is going to be different when usually, um, you know, in previous recessions, an inversion has, has always, you know, come before a recession? Yeah, well, I mean, he's got two key points here. And, and the first is something... Um, rather wonky, called the term premium, which is linked to the idea that uh, investors uh, expect, uh, uh, well, demand a higher return on a longer-term bond because of the term, the time that's involved. So if a bond is a 10-year bond, then over the course of 10 years, there's, you know, like why are you going to hold a 10-year bond instead of simply buying a three-month bill, you know, enough times to to replicate that same you know, income stream. So I can buy a 10-year bond now and hold it, or I can buy a three-month bill, and then, you know, when it matures, buy another one and buy another one. So why do I want to hold the 10-year bond? I need to be paid extra higher yield, you know, for that. And He's saying that with the way that the term premium has come down, it's now negative. So you're not getting any compensation for the for the, the time part of for holding it for a longer time. That means that the you know, the the basic mechanics mm. of yield curves and why an inverted yield curve necessarily means a recession that those are broken. So you know, that's that's his, his argument. Uh, he also is just saying that he thinks the Fed has done enough um, to bring inflation down and that therefore we're going to have a soft landing. So uh, there's the kind of the process-driven side of it where he thinks 
the fundamentals of the bond market have changed a lot, and that's due to you know, decades of uh, massive central bank intervention, mostly. Mm. Uh, and he also just thinks that um, there's kind of a, a idiosyncratic, uh, you know, a, a sort of you know, what's going on in the real world, yeah. which is that this time round, the Fed is going to be able to tame inflation without causing a recession. Whereas you know, back in the 1980s, for example, they weren't able to tame inflation until they had provoked, in fact, a couple of recessions in their search to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Garfield, thank you so much for being with me and explaining that. I think it is a really difficult one, but hugely important to understand if you're looking at the markets, Jan Hatzius' thinking and and, uh, the yield curve inversion. So thanks so much for your time. Bloomberg's Chief Rates Correspondent, Garfield Reynolds. Coming up next... Trading app Robinhood may launch in the UK and why nothing ever gets done after 4pm. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And joining me this morning, Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans to look through the newspapers. Let's start with The Telegraph. It has the headline, Controversial Share Trading App Robin Hood Plots UK Launch. Well, Caroline, cast your mind back to around February 2021. I know it was the pandemic. (laughs) Things were super quiet. Yes. Do you remember? We remember it well. But did the meme stock craze also be in your mind at that moment? Yeah. I feel like it was such a thing, wasn't it? I felt like all we did was speak about it for weeks, Caroline. So I'm just taking you back to some old memories. Now, Robin Hood's chief executive and co-founder, Vlad Tenef, came under scrutiny for blocking trading in GameStop shares after a sharp rise in its share price. And remember, he came out and apologised for that black swan event that we saw. Mm. But fast forward a few years, we've moved on and stock trading at is now preparing to target British investors. So basically, Robinhood could come here. In recent days, Robinhood has opened up job listings on LinkedIn for Mm. a regulatory expert and also an operations lead. It is also said to be seeking a UK chief executive. Now, this is all according to the article in The Telegraph. But what is interesting, Caroline, is you remember Robinhood wanted to come to the UK a few years ago. They didn't make it. But basically, this is reignited because politicians and business leaders in the UK are debating ways to rekindle interest in the stock market once again. Now, Robin Hood's arrival in the UK would bring massive competition to domestic rivals and also traditional retail stock brokering companies. So that's something that yeah. we need to think about. And as I said, they once again came really close to launching 
here, securing a license from the financial regulator and actually signing people up to a waiting list. Yes, I remember that. But all those plans were cancelled back in 2020, and that was amid heightened scrutiny in its home market over allegations it mid it misled customers. Yeah, absolutely. Because Robinhood basically, as the name alludes to, mm-hmm. is meant to be about the democratisation of trading, right? You can do it really easily, very cheaply in an, on, in an app. But I think the flip side of that was the meme stock kind of madness and the fact that they stopped trading and there was huge ire about that in the markets mm-hmm. at the time. And also I think you've got to layer in the fact that now there is, uh, there's extra regulation here in the UK about these... Um, um, these apps, you know, the, the regulators are getting a lot more wary about anything that looks like a game or that has game-like elements when it comes to real money. You know, they, they're getting a bit hotter on that. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion, I think. Absolutely, Caroline. And I couldn't agree with you more. Let's see how regulators welcome this or don't welcome mm. this and what is really involved to get this over the line if yeah. Robin Hood does want to launch here in the UK. OK, let's go to the Wall Street Journal uh, the new workday dead zone when nothing gets done. Well, apparently golf gets done, really? <laughs> which is always a good thing. At what time of the day? At 4pm. This is the new dead zone. Now, Caroline, I think this story is so interesting. So lots of workers are sticking with their COVID-era habit of clocking out early and actually making it up later. The 4pm meeting is often cancelled, according to the Wall Street Journal, because half of the team can't make it. So basically what happens is bosses send out an email with the main discussion points and you know what the replies just roll in throughout the evening the next morning so work is extended to the next day Mm. so that what you can do today gets done is no longer but apparently by 4 p.m on weekdays golf courses are absolutely but hang on this is in the u.s right not just not in the UK. Is this no, no. This is so. This is according to a Stanford University study, right. and it's basically in the US at okay. the moment. But I actually think, Caroline, I'm extremely sporty. That's no lie. My tennis court is packed at four o'clock. Yeah, no, I'm like, imagine. I don't know if anyone's got a job. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.